Hello and welcome back to Score Tracks, the movie score news and reviews podcast where we review some currently released movie soundtracks and a flashback soundtrack where we take a look at soundtracks from yesteryear. Uh, my name is Mark. I'm one of the three hosts and I'm joined by Elaine. Hello, Elaine. Hello, Hello Mark. How are you? I'm good. Thank you very much. And uh, I'm joined by Tim as well. I have nothing to say because Elaine stole my line. <laughs> I decided well, Tim, to I'm be good. The light one. <laughs> Hi. Hello. How, what, what uh, have you guys been? Pretty good. Pretty good. Busy, but good. Yeah, good me to, too. Always good to be busy. It's always a lot better than uh, completely bored. So. So it's been it's been a few weeks since our last uh, our last episode. So we're gonna do something just a little bit differently today. Not that different, but uh, normally in our show we have recommendations. Uh, at the end of the show, but what we decided to do today was that each of us was going to recommend or talk about a soundtrack that we've been listening to lately. It might be something new, it might be something old, it may be something you've never heard of before, but it's something that we're currently enjoying and uh, we think you might enjoy it too. So we'll get to that in just a little bit, but first we wanted to talk about uh, you know, the summer movie season is rapidly approaching and uh, that's always a good time for some of our favorite composers. Uh, to release new soundtracks, to accompany the new films that uh, are going to be released in theaters. So I just wanted to give you a quick breakdown, basically of some highlights of, of uh, films and scores that will be coming from this month, March, to uh, June. And so with that, let me start off. Uh, first of all, coming up very soon, I think this weekend, we've got uh, 10 Cloverfield Lane. And uh, the composer on that is Barry McCreary. Yeah, I hope that's this weekend because every time I go to YouTube, every single time I get that ad for the movie. <laughs> it's like, yeah, there's no place like home. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, I mean, this movie really flew under the radar as far as being being filmed, being edited, being recorded. And now, you know, you can't not see it on television or on the web. Yeah. It, it was like a sneak attack and then they just blitzed us with marketing. You but, said it's uh, Bear McCreary, right? Yeah, yeah, and, and and for those of you unfamiliar with Bear McCreary, he's uh, his he rose to prominence with Battlestar Galactica, um, the the reboot uh, uh, reimagining of the series that was on Sci Fi Channel not that long ago. Uh, in the meantime, though, he's done such things as uh, you know Da Vinci's Demons on Stars. He's done Black Sails on Stars. He's done. Uh, uh, He's done the score for Holliston that was a, a short-lived um, uh, short-lived TV series on Fearnet. He's also done, boy, uh, Knights of Bad Astem. Uh, if I remember correctly, <laughs> he's done um, Age of, uh, a- Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That's what it's called. Yes, and and yes. Outlander, he also did. Oh, Outlander, that's right. And uh, Human Target, that was a short-lived t- television series. He's done a I, lot. I think, yeah, I mean, he, he's he's predominantly been in television, so this is his yeah. first. I would say it's his first big budget uh, motion picture because yeah. he's, you know, he's done another one. He did Everly not that long ago, which was a Salma Hayek sort of uh, small release. But uh, this is his first major, you know, um, his first major release, and and I I think the guy's music's fantastic. Oh yeah. So so any anytime somebody like that gets to get off of television and, and start, you know scoring a major motion picture i'm all for it so yeah i think bear mccreary is pretty well loved in soundtrack communities for his television music and i think oh, that yeah. a lot of people Damn, are excited we about didn't him. even 
We didn't even name draft that he composed the music for Walking Dead. Oh, right. There's that, too. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's only that little television show. See, I think people are excited about him moving over into the film realm for this. I I am for sure. You know, he seems like a really nice guy, you know. And so it's it's always great when people like that, you know, finally get to, to strut their stuff on the big stage. And his name's Bear. How can you not like him? That's right. <laughs> Space Bear Mercury. <laughs> and then later on this month, uh, we also have Batman v Superman, Dawn of Justice. And as in like, like, you know, Dawn and the New York that. families or Dawn, what? You know, New York families, Dawn. Oh, like Corleone. Haha. <laughs> I'm Okay. That joke failed. Go on. Um, so anyways, I was looking at this, and it is pretty much attributed to Hans Zimmer with an assist by Tom Hulkenberg, a.k.a. Junkie XL. You know, I, I think we had talked about on the, on the podcast before that it was primarily, you know, Tom Hulkenberg doing it, but it looks like they might, it looks like it flip-flopped. I'm not sure what the situation is. Well, initially, they announced Tom Hulkenberg being hired to do it solely as the composer. And then after that, Hans Zimmer was brought on. And I think they announced it as like an additional music role. But as you said, it looks like it's kind of flipped around. So in any case, they've worked together before. So I think it's going to be a a collaboration. We just don't know what the ratio is. Right. And And, and and it's, It's interesting following Brian Tyler and Danny Elfman similar situation with age of Ultron where Brian Tyler was the sole composer. Then Danny Elfman was doing additional music and then it was music by Brian Tyler and Danny Elfman. So he kind of kept moving up in the ranks. Yeah. Cause nobody knows who Danny Elfman is, right? <laughs> yeah. Elena, are you looking, looking forward to any of these uh, two films or scores? Not, not no. your cup of tea necessarily. Um, I'm not really interested in 10 Cloverfield Lane. Um, I'm not too into the horror-esque movies. Um, suspense, thriller, whatever it is. Um, I am interested in seeing Batman vs. Superman. No, no, Elaine, it's Batman v. Superman. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Batman v. Superman, (laughs) colon, Dawn of Justice. Right. Um, and, you know, I mean, the, I mean, I'll probably listen to the soundtrack for that as well. I'm sure we'll be discussing it, uh, later on this month or next month. So, yeah. It seems like that that's a soundtrack right for us to listen to. Mm-hmm. I do, I do though, uh, in the month of, that's it for March that, that seemed worth covering. Uh, in April though, I do have two that seem like they're up your alley, uh, Elaine. I've got Jungle Book mm-hmm. by by John Debney, and John Debney typically works with. Uh, oh man, now I just lost his name. The director, uh, on, John Tim. Thank you, Elaine, coming in with the save. <laughs> so John Debney's working with uh, t- uh, John Favreau for uh, Jungle Book, <laughs> and then we've got. Huntsman Winter's War, which is the prequel uh, to Snow White and the Huntsman. And if any of you have seen the trailers, it looks like it's Frozen. Uh, <laughs> like a but, dark, twisted version of Frozen. Right. 
And this one, though, brings back James Newton Howard from the first one. And, and I think, Elaine, you like James Newton Howard quite a bit. Is that correct? Yeah. Um, I, need to, I need to listen to more of his soundtracks. Have you listened um, to Maleficent but, yet? No, I had not. I'm mm. sorry. But I have, but I did like Treasure Planet. <laughs> well, that's why I think you. That's why I thought you uh, listened to him more. But uh, definitely, definitely a good composer, and you know he always puts out uh, good stuff. So, like, I want Emmett Shemelon to come out with more movies just so I can hear more oh, of the James yes. Howard to go with it. Like Signs, I loved. Signs and Breakable Lady. Lady in the Water has a fantastic score, and I actually like the movie oddly, but uh, yeah, he's he's. Good stuff. That that was a good that was a good collaborate collaborative team for sure of uh, of you know directors and composers. So then we've got the big month uh, of May where the big movies are released, and we've got Captain America: Civil War uh, by the Russo brothers. And once again, uh, Henry Jackman will be doing the score. He didn't do the first Captain America, the first Avenger, that was Alan Silvestri, but he did uh, Winter Soldier. So Henry Jackman's following up with Civil War. And uh, then we've got X-Men Apocalypse and, you know, it's no wonder that John Ottman is doing the score again. <laughs> and then we've got Alice Through the Looking Glass and Tim, who do you think's doing that one? Uh, me? Yeah, Tim. Who do you think's well, doing the score? No, I, I'm the one doing it. I think. Who, who'd you say, Elaine? I said your name is Tim, I think. Yeah, his name's Tim. I have a guess. Go ahead, Elaine. I don't remember who did the first one. Danny Elfman. Uh, Elaine, once again with the save. <laughs> did he do? He didn't do the first one, did he? Yeah, he yeah, did. He did. He did. It's Tim Burton. Of course, he did it. Well, I, well, I know, but I thought it was. Uh, I can't remember his name. But I thought it was Abel somebody. Who? I can't remember his Abel. name. Corner, 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 Corwitz. No, 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 no. <laughs> uh, no, that, he did Penny Dreadful though. But no, the other guy. I can't remember his name. Well, it doesn't matter. It's not him, but yeah, okay. Yeah, because Danny Elfman seems to be fit, you know, fit into this mold lately of, of uh, you know, he did Oz, the Great and Powerful. He did the first Alice in Wonderland. He, he did, you know, he's doing the second Alice in Wonderland. Uh, he does, you know. The factory. Uh, that's true. Of course, that was Tim Burton. This one, this one, Tim Burton's not directing it. Somebody else is, so. Yeah, but, but uh, it's, I mean. Same style. Yeah. I mean, the movie is basically the same style, so. So it should be a good score. Uh, any thoughts on those three? Civil War, Apocalypse, or Looking Glass? Well, I'll say first, when uh, the first Captain America came out, it was Sylvester, as you said, which I, I really enjoyed that. I thought it was good. Then they announced Henry Jackman was doing uh, Winter Soldier. I wasn't very familiar with him at that time. So I was a little disappointed that Silvestri was not doing it. Um, but then when I, I saw the movie and I heard I heard the music in context, and I actually I did like it not only on its own, but also how it suited the movie more than... Like, I feel like if Silvestri had done it, it wouldn't have suited the movie the same way. Right, so, right. Silvestri's music fit the first one well. I feel like Jackman's fit the second one well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to what's coming down in this third one, especially since it is so... It seems to be such a you know battle oriented, but that's how mm-hmm. they're featuring in the promotions, and I think Henry yeah. Jackman will do a good job with that. Okay, so let me ask you guys: Are you Team Cap or Team Team Iron Man? I refuse to vote until I've seen the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's cheating. 
Well, I, I, I want to know what their perspectives are. I got to hear the arguments. <laughs> I'm got to be cap. fair. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, all, I'm always team cap. I'm, I think I'm team cap, except that I really like vision. So I'm kind and of Black Panther a little bit looks different. kind of awesome. Hmm? Black Panther looks kind of awesome too. Yeah. See. Spider Man that we haven't seen yet. Oh right. my god! Right, that's true. That's gonna be an epic movie. I'm just saying. Yeah, it should be really good. Like on one hand, yeah, it should be good. But on the other hand, it's just like I, I want to see people fighting bad guys and not each other. You know. They always have to fight each other. They're gonna fight bad guys in Infinity War. Exactly. You know oh, what, Tim? Depending on who makes it, let's just let Elaine handle the the podcast because she knows <laughs> everything. She's she's on point. Well, I've I've heard that there are a couple people who will not make it out of Civil War. Stop it! Yeah. So I want to see everybody fighting, and if well, that's just me though. Quicksilver yeah, comes back I'm just to try die. And <laughs> so, what about X Men Apocalypse? Eh. Yeah. <laughs> at this point, at first, the X Men brand, when it was coming out, Hugh Jackman, first, second, third movies, all that, it was cool. At this point, I'm like, oh, there's another one? All right. I'm only interested in this one because of Oscar Isaac, to be honest. Yeah, I was going to say. If it weren't for him, I probably wouldn't even see it. So, is that your man crush now? <laughs> no, I just I think he's a good actor, so I, I enjoy seeing what he's like. Um, what it was Inside cold. Lewin Davis and uh, The Most Violent Year? I watched because of him, and I thought they were Did great you see movies. Ex Machina? N- no, I don't know how, oh but somehow God. I missed that. I know, I know. Noah was it's, way getting on my case to see that, and I just haven't had the chance it's, yet. It's got it's got him and Hux in it. I know <laughs> two main characters. Two two out of two out of three people in the whole movie, which is pretty much three people for the most part. <laughs> yeah, are those two? From what I've seen, it, it looks good. I just haven't had no, the chance to is, watch the whole uh, thing. Yet. It is unbelievable. And if you guys have Amazon Prime, it should be on Amazon Prime right now for free. Well, yeah. for it's a paid subscription, but uh, yeah, it's, it's really good. <laughs> it's a really good movie. Seventy nine dollars, but you can watch it for free. <laughs> That's right. Or get it delivered to your house. But, well, getting back to the point, though, with John Ottman, he's good, and he's going to come out with something good. It's just, I'm not, I don't know if it's going to be original enough from the previous installments for me to get overly hyped about it. Yeah, the word serviceable comes to mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, he's definitely a fantastic composer, but, it, you know, at this point, it's just like, oh, another event, uh, X-Men movie. Oh, another X-Men score. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel about it. I've, I saw the first three X-Men and I liked them, but I haven't, and I I did see most of X-Men first class, I think. That was good. But at that the same, good. but at the same time, you know, I keep, you know, like every year. It does feel like that, doesn't another it? X-Men movie and another X-Men movie and another X-Men movie. And I'm just, I'm tired of seeing it, honestly. I just, I kind of stopped caring. Like I was keeping up yeah. with things and then the more it happened, I'm like, all right, you know what? Have fun. I'm just not gonna not gonna be paying attention. So we go from that one to where we don't really care to June and Ninja Turtles Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Out of the Shadows. 
uh, with a score by sure. Steve Jablonski. I don't really care about that one either. Yeah, I don't either. But you know, it made enough money last time, and uh, Jablonski's a uh, you know fairly well respected uh, composer. That uh, you know, it might it might be an interesting or decent score. You know, here's the thing. All right, um, <laughs> Mark, I think you know where I'm going with this. Soapbox. Not 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 a soapbox. Just uh, I'm standing next to it, not on it. Um, <laughs> the first movie I, I I ended up seeing when it was on Netflix because I wanted to hear the soundtrack. If Brian Tyler did it, and it was very. Have you listened to it yet, Mark? No, I've avoided the Ninja Turtles period. Okay, because I I get that I get avoiding them. Trust me, but I. I heard I listened to the soundtrack. It is very theme based with the their main theme that Tyler made for it. Well, from from what I've heard, from what from, from what I had heard is that is that the the score by Tyler is far better than it has any right to be because of the movie. But I, the movie yes. is just complete crud, but the score is amazing. And I, it was on I a lot of this. Yeah, I think it was on a lot of people's top 10 lists uh that yeah. year. So yeah, it's it's just one of those situations to where, you know, it's a fantastic composer working with a movie, you know, that is not that fantastic. So one right. of these days I'll give a listen to it, and I'll probably even watch the movie, but I've just got other things to do. <laughs> well, it kind of reminded me, the first time I listened to it, rem- reminded me of his Iron Man 3 theme a little bit, um, which of Ooh, course nice. was great. So I, I watched the movie only because of the soundtrack, and I had no interest in the movie at all. But the soundtrack was good enough that I wanted to watch it. And so now that they're coming out with the second one at first, I was like, great, because that means another score. I don't care about the movie. And then, as you said, Steve Jablonski's doing it, which is fine. But I was a little disappointed because I wanted uh, Brian Tyler to do another soundtrack to follow the first one. Well, here's the thing. In June, Brian (laughs) Tyler is doing a sequel. To I think uh, one of your favorite scores of all time is going to be doing now. You see me too. That score is crap. I don't know why anyone likes it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take that bit of conversation and send it to Brian Tyler. <laughs> you'll, Can you'll you? Never get, you'll never. Get, no, I can't actually. But <laughs> you'll never get the interview him again. Whereas I'll tell him, oh, this guy Mark on this show, he just doesn't like you. I'm sorry. Just if he ever tries to tweet you, don't respond. Nothing. Yeah. He doesn't respond anyways now. What's the difference? <laughs> <laughs> no, he, he's awesome. But yeah, he um, is. yeah, so I that obviously is something I'm looking forward to. The first one overall, I think every single person in the soundtrack community who I have spoken to loved that first one. Oh yeah, it's, yeah, it's amazing. And the fact that he gets the chance to take on a second one, not only is that already good, but he has grown, even though it's only been like what two years, three years, however long it's been. He's grown as a composer, taking on things like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Marvel movies and Truth and these other things he's done, the Fast and Furious films. He has developed uh, what I feel to be a more um, well developed sound and more in depth with some of his works. So I think what we're going to get here has a lot of the good things from the first one, but a little bit deeper with some of the elements. So I'm looking forward to it. And there was this one woman, um, I feel so bad, I can't remember her name. It's Kristen something. I think it's Italian. Um, She said something like a year or two ago about how her phone just randomly started playing Now You See Me for no reason at all. 
And she said, I did not object or anything. I just let my phone do its thing because it was great for me because I got to hear it. And that's <laughs> just, that kind of sums up how I feel about this. I'm looking forward to just exploring what he comes up with, no matter what it is. I just want to hear it. Yeah, he's a great composer. So that that's your little June. Uh, that's that's to fight the June gloom. June's a great month, so that's awesome. June gloom. June, June, gloom. June, June bugs. Yeah, June bugs. I'm sorry. June is a fantastic month. So I mean, I mean, I well, we also. Have, I don't remember what that's like. Uh, we also have uh, that month, Finding Dory, Finding by Thomas Newman. And that pretty much wraps up our uh, our look at the major, you know, film scores coming out and, yeah. and movies coming out until June. Finding Dory, you know, should be should be fine. Again, serviceable comes to mind. I think Thomas Newman did uh, Finding Nemo. Yeah, pretty and, sure. Yeah, the music's fine. It's you know, I'm sure it's going to fit the film perfectly. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't listen to my Finding Nemo soundtrack that much. Right. Yeah, I think it'll be good, but not necessarily memorable for us. Right. Right. Yeah. If you want to look a little farther down the road, what's coming out in December, Mark? Um, Talk about a lot farther down the road. Do we have? Is that another Hunger Games? No. No. Uh, no. What is it? Ascension or whatever that other nope. Hunger Games? Oh, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them? No. <laughs> Keep going. You're almost there. I can feel it. Rogue One. Rogue <laughs> One. Bye. By Michael not, Giacchino? No, oh, not wait. John Williams. <laughs> Alexander, Alexander Desplat. Yes. So, Mark, How do you say that name? <laughs> Desplat. Desplat, okay. Just don't add the T, okay. And uh, so, Mark, um, you looking forward to that? No. <laughs> yeah. You know, since we've heard so little about it, I think I'm actually getting... I'm, I think I'm actually I actually feel a little excited about it because we haven't heard that much about it. Because I feel like it's just gearing up to be really awesome. <laughs> and you know, no, I, I I'm not. I, I, don't get me wrong. I'm absolutely pumped for the movie. Right. But for for every you know for every Star Wars chapter you know whether it's Episode One you know through Seven, when they announce the movie for me. I'm as excited for the movie as I am for the music. Right. You know, so it's like, whoa, more John Williams or, you know. And so this is the first movie where it's like, okay, the movie, yes. And it's, oh, okay. Well, yay to the movie. You know, I, I'm you not. You like Alexander ex- Displa? <sighs> okay, so he, okay. Hasn't, he hasn't wowed me. I'm like, yeah, here's the thing. is I feel like he's going to do a fine job. I just re- rewatched uh, Godzilla a couple weeks ago. And that's a good score. And um, I think he's going to do a perfectly fine job. I'm not worried about that. I just don't think we're going to get something exceptional like we do with Star Wars movies. Right. With John Williams scores. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly. I mean, I'm I'm interested to to hear what kind of sounds he comes up with. (laughs) (laughs) My clock fell. (laughs) Oh, crap. It was a ghost. What broke on it? Ah. Is oh, it in pieces? No. It sounds kind of, you know. Well, part of the bottom broke off. 
And it's a Star Wars clock. And we were talking you about know, Star it's Wars. Those, it's one of those record record um, clocks where the Vinyl? the image is cut out of the record. And the part of the Star Wars logo is broken off. Oh. <sighs> Super glue. Oh, yeah, glue. And this moment <laughs> is captured forever on a podcast. <laughs> My misery forever. It's not fair. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> now that I've had my crisis, you can move on. <laughs> yeah, just fly. We'll have to okay. wait and see. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, I think I was about to say, real quick, that I'm interested to hear what kind of sounds he comes up with, like what new sounds he brings what he repeats um, what, I mean what he draws from John Williams so I think it's going to be I think even if it's not spectacular I think it's going to be interesting I'm imagining a lot more percussion than Williams used to do probably and that might be what the movie calls for and that's fine but I'm just you know expecting that just just cut Saving Private Ryan into it and it'll be fine <laughs> <laughs> I'm still and- weeping. <laughs> <laughs> My clock is broken. Yeah. Luckily, yeah. luckily, our next section where we t- talk about soundtracks that we've been listening to, we're not going to Elaine first, so we'll let her, mourn. you know, mourn uh, in private. But Tim, uh, you had a selection yeah. that you've been listening to lately that you wanted to discuss. Yeah, well, first, my, my go-to soundtrack, or my go-to music at the moment, is still the Force Awakens soundtrack, because it's that good. But anyway, um, if I'm looking beyond that and exploring other things, I really, I was looking through the, um, uh, Mark, I know you saw these too, the Film Soundtrack Center Awards, the second yes. ones that they've done. And looking at that, I was really surprised by how many good ones there have been this year. There have been a lot of good scores this year. and. That's for sure. A bunch of them um, I wasn't too familiar with either. So I was looking through some of them, and one of them was Far From the Matting Crowd by Craig Armstrong. And I, again, I'm not, wasn't that familiar with it, so I listened to it, uh, the opening theme, and I thought it was fantastic. I thought it was amazing. So that inspired me to go back and listen to the rest of it, which I did. And. I don't know. It's very different. You know, you have modern scores and you see them trending in a certain direction. And then you have this one, which isn't anything like that at all. And it, it, I feel like it's, I haven't seen the movie. I'm pretty sure it's based off of like a time period film. I think it's based off a book. It's based off of a book. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, there are certain parts you can tell listening to it. Like, okay, yeah, this sounds like a time piece or a time period, however you say that uh, movie. But overall, um, it, I, I thought it was amazing. And for anyone who loves strings being the main part of a, a soundtrack, I think this is one you would definitely have to check out because vastly string-based. And I think it's also done ex- exceptionally well. So that was me. The, the opening reminded me of something we might hear from James Horner, too. So Ooh. that was another thing that I kind of kind of got me but yeah what is uh off the top of your head if you know uh what has craig armstrong done before 
The name sounds very familiar. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to remember. Give me a second, because you're right. He has done stuff. Like, I don't think I don't. He might have been television television shows, but uh, I could be wrong. What type of movie have you read the book, Elaine? No, I watched, um, and I think they made it in the '60s or '70s. They made a film, uh, a film version of Far from the Madden Crowd. Oh, so Very... it's, a, it's an old book. Yeah, uh, and, and I looked it up afterwards, and it's, and it's you know based off a book, and and the movie was. You know, I mean, the story, it's its very, very dramatic and all this kind of stuff. Um, but I can see how the soundtrack to that would be very pretty, given the time period it's set in and the... Uh, it, I think it's its set in Scotland, isn't it? Or I um, don't know. Oh, well, yeah, yeah I forgot up. you hadn't seen it. <laughs> so I, I can see how the soundtrack would be very fitting for that. All right, so some of the things he's done, I'm looking this up, I'm like, yeah, that's right, of course. Um, he did Victor Frankenstein that came out last year. Oh, uh, okay. The Great Gatsby from 13 oh. with DiCaprio. Um, he did Moulin Rouge. He did... Uh... In Time with Justin Timberlake. Uh, okay. Incredible Hulk. But I think that's the Ed Norton one, I think. Yes. Yep, yep, I have that. Okay. Yeah. Ray. He's done a bunch of good stuff. Nice. So, yeah, so, anyway, if, if you like strings... He's been around composer. Yeah, so if you're if you're a strings person, which ordinarily I'm I'm not, they're they're fine. <laughs> I prefer I'm, I'm more of a brass person, but uh, definitely I would Super recommend strings. checking those out. Well, good, good, uh, and uh, at least the opening. If you if you only have time, a little bit of time, I would say look check out opening is is the name of the track from Far from the Madding Crowd, and just give that one track a listen. Okay, I will. Thank you for the recommendation, sir. You're welcome. Hopefully I don't steer you wrong. <laughs> no, no. Uh, your, your tastes are fairly similar to mine other than I like electronic music much more than you, I think. I think you do, too. I mean, I think it's all right, but it doesn't do a whole lot for me. So. Stop talking to me. <laughs> hey, I like Boba Fett and I like Adats. <laughs> yeah, you're good, then. Uh, <laughs> Elaine. Sorry. <sighs> Anyways, Elaine, before I get all angry now, um, you have been listening to something recently. What what have you been listening to? I have been listening to Zootopia by right. Michael Giacchino. Another um, fantastic have, man and composer. Yes. And I have not seen the movie. I really want to see the movie, especially after listening to the soundtrack, which is a recommendation for both, I think. Um, so the first, I think the first part of this soundtrack, I was just kind of, hmm, it's okay. But then when, when, as it picked up, as it moved forward and picked up and really started adding in, like, um, new, new sounds and just new beats that sound, sound a bit, um, Jazzy, I think uh, Mark was saying, we were talking before we started recording the podcast, and he was saying that it sounded kind of quirky. Yeah. Um, and it really fits, 
I think for the idea of this being a place where, of Zootopia being a place where animals live and there's kind of this jungly vibe to the music sometimes. And I was reading an interview, uh, I think, I can't remember, uh, do you, Mark, do you remember which website was talking to? I, I think it was from the LA Times. Yes. LA Times? Yeah. Yeah. Um, he, he was saying that he added, like, a lot of, like, um, like, Indonesian and Middle Eastern sounds, um, which I thought was really cool. And then he also talked about how he, about how the film is very much about, um, prejudice and race and how he tried to translate that by focusing the soundtrack on the perspective of Judy Hopps, who's, like, the main character of Zootopia. And, uh, she's kind of this, she starts out as being, from what I can gather, she starts out being this kind of naive, naive, uh, new cop who, you know, believes in justice and, you know, all the, all this kind of stuff, but she, she learns to be a little bit wiser throughout this whole thing and the soundtrack kind of reflects that and uh so yeah i really enjoyed it i wasn't expecting to it i wasn't sure what to expect because sometimes i feel like animated uh soundtracks for cartoons are not always that great you know they're they're kind of like like y'all were saying earlier um serviceable but i think this one is this one is above serviceable in my opinion. So yeah, I listened to some of it. Uh, when, once you said, I mean, normally I listen to everything Jay Kino except for Monte Carlo. Um, but with this one, you know, I had completely forgotten that he had just did it. So I, I checked out a couple tracks and it's really good. Uh, it, it may not be something that I'll listen to on my own uh, or just as a soundtrack, but it's definitely not something I expected from him which is kind of cool. Uh, I think there was some parts in that interview that you're talking about where he, where he used uh, unconditional instruments like, like kitchen utensils mm-hmm. to make sounds. So that, that's, that's pretty cool. You, you know, it sounds like he just tried, it sounds like he did everything and threw, you know, the kitchen sink in there too, in order to get it just a different sound. And, and whenever somebody does that, whether it works or not, I think that's great. You know, as much as I love typical orchestras, if somebody wants to get out of the box and, and experiment, I think that's a great thing. Absolutely. Yeah, but, I love it when I love it when like composers describe their their process and the the creative thinking behind. The, I I like knowing that composers put a lot of thought into what they're doing because sometimes right. you know. Like, Again, going back to the idea of soundtracks being serviceable, you kind of wonder if, well, like, how much, like, I mean, this isn't to be um, criticizing composers because, you know, composers are amazing in general. But sometimes you just, you know, soundtracks just sound kind of, kind of meh. They don't, they're not really very fantastic. So it's always great to hear a composer actually talking about their creative process so i think i would win uh brian tyler fanboy works i'm going to bring him up right now 
Um, you should love him for that then. <laughs> because he, for me, he's one of the best at thinking about what he's doing, giving the music a purpose as far as that specific work is concerned. For example, he worked on the, he did the uh, Universal Studios opening uh, at their 100th anniversary. They, they redid the music for it, and he was the one who did it. Jerry Goldsmith, I believe, did the original, um, and Brian Tyler redid it. And when he did, he, for the drums part, he got, I forget how many, but tons of drums from different parts of the world since it's Universal Studios. So he wanted to get as close a sound to the world as he could. So he got drums from all over the place. And in his score for Truth, he worked on piano ostinatos to make that match. And in Iron Man 3, he uses some metal clanking sounds because, you know, Iron Man. He puts thought behind why he's doing certain things with his scores. Um, Oh, and also uh, Drive, I think it was, he did years ago. Which Drive? I don't, I don't remember. Um, but I, I just saw the music video he put out for one of them, and he uses, uh, he, he walks around a car and uses sounds from a car as part of the music. So, wow! So if you're looking at that, if you like that, then here's my recommendation to uh, look at some of his stuff for that reason. That's great about Tyler, but we were talking about G. Kino. That's why I said fanboy award yeah. for him. <laughs> Which, and also, about Giacchino, I don't know if either of you heard it, um, but if you did, what did you guys think about Jupiter Ascending? Didn't hear it. I didn't listen to it. Because I think I have an unpopular opinion with that. You liked it? No. Oh, you didn't like it? I I didn't dislike it. I (laughs) I was like, it's all right. It's okay. You know, I don't have to listen to it ever again. And a lot of people seem to really, really like it. And again, I'm just like, eh, all right. (laughs) <laughs> if you it's, like it, okay. You know, it's tough because even with my favorite composers, the more I, the more I look forward to a, a movie, the more I look forward to a soundtrack. So, you know, there are... It's funny because some of John Williams' albums or soundtracks I listen to the least are the movies that I've watched the least. Um, so it's just one of those things to where I love Giacchino, I haven't seen Jupiter Ascending, so I'll get around to it one day. I may, I may love it, but uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't listened to Tomorrowland as much as I should. Uh, I haven't seen the movie yet, so it's kind of one of those things to where, obviously, my interest in the movie spurs my interest in listening to the soundtrack. Sometimes, okay. After we're done, we're done recording this show, Mark, I'm going to send you two, three. I'll send you three links. <laughs> YouTube links on Twitter and one will be the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles theme. Mm-hmm. One will be the Far From the Matting Crowd opening that I was talking about and one will be the Jupiter Ascending uh, movement, I guess, because I'm interested to hear what you say on all three of those. So okay. I'll send you those and you can let me know. Will do. So, uh, Elaine, uh, d- this is a good soundtrack. then. Wait. Utopia? Elaine, yeah, she, yes. she's looking at her clock. Give her a moment. No, I'm not. I'm not. You you enjoy um, the soundtrack and you want to see the movie, correct? Yes, I was. Okay. I was trying to decide if you were talking about Utopia or Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> <laughs> well, just to let you know, my 19 year old son and his 19 year old girlfriend decided to go see Zootopia and they absolutely loved it. So, yay! I think everybody who's seen it has loved it. 
Yeah, I've heard it's pretty good, so. I'm excited. All right. So lastly comes to me, and I've been listening to a lot of different stuff lately. I was on an uh, uh, electronic music kick uh, this last week, at least the first part. Uh, I listened to a lot of John Carpenter stuff, uh, his, his Lost Themes album. Uh, I listened to Halloween three season of the witch again. Um, you know, I, I'm a huge fan of electronic music, but I went from that end of the spectrum of, of dark and horror movies to, Oh, you know what? Easter's coming. So I wanted to listen to, uh, John Debbie's passion of the Christ. I know it doesn't really make much sense, but that's the way my mind works. So I was listening to the, uh, expanded soundtrack that uh, I think La La Land Records put out not that long ago. Uh, it has you know, a lot of the different uh, it has a lot of stuff that was not with the original soundtrack. It also has the music that was on the original soundtrack and it has the trailer music the teaser music um, you know, alternates and whatnot. and you know, it's really good and I listened to it from start to finish uh, a couple days ago but it didn't have the same impact that didn't have the same impact that the original soundtrack had for me. And so, then in the process, I also happened to have the uh, Passion of the Christ uh, Symphony, which is what John Debney he put together and recorded uh, in Rome uh, quite a few years back, I think in 2005 or 2006. And uh, you can find some of it on YouTube, but. It's an entirely different reworking of, you know, the themes that he did for the movie. And that blew me away. So it just kind of, I guess my train of thought is that, you know, more is not always better. Um, you know, recently we talked about how uh, Sony re-released in, in better quality the original soundtrack editions of Star Wars. And I find myself lately listening to those far more than you know, the more complete editions of Star Wars. And the soundtrack for Passion of the Christ, um, the expanded edition, I don't like it as much as as the original soundtrack. So it's just one of those things that, yes, as collectors, or as soundtrack aficionados, we want every bit of music, but sometimes it's not a better listening experience. Well, sometimes, like in the case of Lord of the Rings, the extended... I've, I've never seen Passion of the Christ, so I, I don't know how it is with that film, but with Lord of the Rings, each film, uh, Warner Brothers released an extended edition of it. Right. And with that, they, re they released extended edition soundtracks so that you got the music from, like, from Remember. that extra footage as well. Um, well plus, I think you, that... Go ahead. Elaine, what do you find, like, like, if you have your choice, would you rather listen to the soundtrack, like, you know, the 55-minute soundtrack, or do you want to listen to the two-hour, pretty much every piece of music for Lord of the Rings? Hmm. That's a little difficult to answer because the extended edition has tracks on it that I, that are not included on the, um, original soundtrack that I like. Yeah. On the other hand, sometimes I do, sometimes I, you know, when you're listening to a soundtrack, sometimes you follow along with the story. Yeah. 
and it's easier to follow along with the story with the with the shorter soundtrack. So I guess it just depends upon. I I, th- I think it really just depends upon what I want to be listening to. Um, if I'm ready to invest the time into the full experience, then I'll listen to the extended edition. But if I would rather you know, have a little more of a concise version, then the shorter soundtrack is there. Okay. Tim? Well, to answer your question, I think it kind of depends on the work itself. If, if it's something that I'm already familiar with, like Star Wars, I would love to have the expanded editions because there's music there I want. But if I have to pick one to listen to, I think I'm going to go with the shorter, uh, like original release, because that is more what I'm familiar with both in the movie and just listening to it. But um, at the same time, if I am not familiar with either one of a movie or of a soundtrack, and I listen to them both for my first first time experiencing them both at the same time, if I like the expanded better, I might stick with that for the future. So I think a lot of it depends on my familiarity with that work. I get it. I get it. I, I think probably nine times out of ten, though, your first experience, if you listen to a composed album edit of the score, it's probably going to be an easier listen than, you know, sequential order with sometimes yeah. tiny cues. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And even then, I, I wonder how many people, I wonder how many people actually listen to an album from start to finish anymore. I, I'm sure there are people. I, I do it all the time, but with you know. <laughs> With iTunes and, and Shuffle and, you know, Spotify and bits and pieces here and there. I wonder how many people actually, you know, listen to an album as it's conceived. Yeah, I don't think it is that often because I think people like to compile different things that they like from different sources into one experience versus the same source for the whole listening experience. Right, right. Well, well, also, I also want to say that John Debney did, I think quite an excellent job on this score. Oh, God. And it is something that is very different from a lot of the scores at its time. And the the crazy thing is, he's the third person that was hired for this. Right? Yeah. There was two other people that got hired, and then, for whatever reason, just were replaced. And so, you know, he's he, he had a lot to come up with. and And this is sort of his claim to fame. Sadly, I mean, he—it's a great piece of work, um, and and I love John Debney. His Iron Man music's fantastic. You know, I've said it before on this podcast that Lair by him is a video game soundtrack that transcends everything. It is a masterwork of music that that I've never even played the game, but damn, I love that score. <laughs> so so he he just—it doesn't feel like he gets as much you know as much work. As he should. I mean, granted, this year he's going to be doing Jungle Book, which is fantastic. But yeah, this is just this was his really his time to shine. I mean, he performed pieces of this music live on um, the Tonight Show with Jay Leno. So it, it just you know, and I, and I think also it was one of the highest selling soundtracks in a while, just because of how you know popular the music was and the film was with, with the with with you know the Christian audience. So. And I think that the music made a major impact, as it's supposed to, with the film. 
Oh, yeah. Because I think there are large sequences that are silent enough that the music takes such a foreground in telling the story. Mo- so I most think that makes it. a big difference. Have you seen the film, Tim? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, most of it from, from the point that he starts, you know, his, uh, uh, the specifics, you know. Right. When, when he starts walking or, or, or taking his cross, you know, from one side of the town to the other, it's, it's pretty much almost a silent film. I mean, granted, there's, there's, you know, sound effects of people he comes across, but it's pretty much just visual and, and music. Right. Uh, uh, of Jesus, you know, walking and carrying his cross. And, and, you know, it really was the time to shine and highlight the music, and it, and it worked really well. And I really feel like the cinematography and the music together combined to be two of the most impactful parts of that storytelling for that sequence. Yeah, yeah. I need. To, I think I need to watch this again. I, I've yet to see the PG version, though. Oh, there is one. Yeah, there's there's the obviously the R-rated version because of it being violent and what happened to Jesus. But there's a right. uh, edited version. It's if you buy the Blu-ray, both versions are on there. I just I've never gotten around to watching the the PG-13 or PG version. Yeah. Um, and my wife won't watch the movie anymore with me because it makes her too sad. So, yeah, I remember originally it was going to be uh, NC seventeen, and they had to cut it down to make it R. Given, given like the content of, like you said, the content of the story. Well, you know, and while while we're talking about it, you know, and sorry for this digression, but obviously there's controversy with Mel Gibson and people, you right. know, like him or dislike him for things that he said. But what's really interesting about this movie is just the fact that it's all, um, it, 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 it's a Hollywood movie made by a Hollywood director and it's filmed in a foreign language, foreign to Hollywood anyways, and foreign to, to America. Right. So there's nothing but subtitles, you know, it, it, it's just kind of amazing that it was ever made. That's uh, true. Yeah. Let alone that, you know, it, it had the impact that it did. And I think a lot of the resurgence that you see nowadays of, of, of Christian films, they they owe it to you know Passion of the Christ. So it's definitely you know with, with if anyone out there has never seen it and they're interested with with Easter coming, um, it's definitely something to to watch. Not just because it's a it's an interesting movie, but because the soundtrack is amazing. Yeah, <laughs> I really feel like John Debney was a he was almost a character <laughs> in that movie. So. Oh, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, so with that, that was our uh, that was our three uh, recommendations for uh, you people this week. Uh, we want to thank people, <laughs> whoever, whoever, whatever three people, are, whatever three people are listening. Uh, <laughs> we love you people. I don't know. Okay, how I know Drew, listen. Jared. Thank you guys. I know you listen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but hopefully, you guys, uh, you know, ha- have some. Uh, you go out and you, and you listen or watch what what we've suggested because uh, you know they're all interesting in their own right. But uh, because you we have should, it, we, that's yeah, that's true, <laughs> that's true. And as Tim mentioned earlier, Film Soundtrack Center just had their uh, their their awards. Uh, Tim, you want to talk about that a little bit uh, about our sponsor and their and their their awards? Yeah, they're, they're the sponsor and and they had awards. So okay, great. So with that. <laughs> I think they're pretty cool. Um, like I said before, this was a big year for soundtracks, and I think I really 
I really realized that and was kind of surprised when I was looking over the list. Um, and I, they have, they did, this is the second time. Um, and I think there are more categories this year than last year, including they added best theme and best cue, which have a, seven maybe nominees. Cause that, that's a big category <laughs> for a soundtracks for a year. So, uh, they, they had quite a few, uh, quite a few nominees going in and I think they were all good. Um, some I liked better than others, but I do think they were all good, and I, I enjoyed it uh, looking through and seeing what what it was. And because this isn't just one person uh, standing up and dictating what was the best of the year, there's an entire process with committees uh, right. for the nominations and the voting to see who who wins and all that. Yeah. So um, so yeah, I, I enjoy checking that out. It's a it's a good website, especially you know the, one of the things that that I hate yet love about lists like this is is I love being annoyed at at choices that I wouldn't pick. There, there's a lot, there's a lot there that I I agree with, and there's some there. It's the same thing with every list, so it, it's definitely something you should check out. Um, and with that, uh, I just want to say thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. Sorry for the the hiatus. Uh, you know, I, I I can only speak for myself, but my 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 life got in the way. But uh, we're going to try at least, especially with this is the big time of year for us uh, because of all the great soundtracks or all the interesting soundtracks coming out uh, with the summer movies. So we certainly are going to try and do our best to to have a more regular schedule. But thanks again for listening. We appreciate it, Elaine. Anything you want to say? Um, are we doing socials? Huh. All I heard is, are we doing facials? I heard, are we doing facials? No. And, I, and I'm not, I'm not going to the socials? mall. Socials. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Elaine, where can they find you on social media? You can find me on Twitter at T-V-E-I-T-L-I-G-H-T 25. Thank you. Thank you for reminding me also. Tim, where can they find you on social medias? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at uh, Trooper underscore five or nine other Twitter accounts I run because I run too many, but that's the one that I'm on for like myself, my personal one. Excellent. And they can find me on Twitter. I am at Griddle Marks, G-R-I-D-D-L-E-M-A-R-K-S. No, 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 no. You're Lil Mark. I'm what? Lil Mark. That's what Noah said. I believe Noah. I didn't even listen <laughs> I, I have him on mute, so I only, see, <laughs> I only see when people say mean things about him. <laughs> but everybody, thanks again for listening. We'll talk to you next time, and uh, hope you enjoy the hope you enjoy suggestions. Thank you very much. <laughs>